Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Well, hello there, listeners. Welcome to this week's non-traditional episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me is my best friend and co-host, Director Patch. Hello, everyone. As we do every year, we are excited to chat about our takeaways from last night's 2020 Oscar experience. I guess we don't talk about the 2020 Oscars every year, Patrick, but we do talk about the Oscars of that year. Yeah. You yeah, guys know what not, I'm saying. Yeah, this is not to be confused with the 2020 experience. Someone which is, is a great Justin Timberlake album. Someone, it really is. I wish he'd put out a new one. We're getting on a tangent. Somewhere in their car, someone was driving and they were immediately correcting me. So that was for you. But <laughs> we also on this episode have the honor of revealing our listeners choices for the Feelers Choice Awards. That is always one of the best things we do every year. And I'm really excited to share those with everyone. But before we do that, like I said, we're going to talk about the Oscars. Spoiler alert, it's in my notes, of course, because we're using our normal format. But uh, yeah, spoilers, the Oscars happened and awards were given out. And if you don't want to know who won for some weird reason, then turn us off, I guess. But you're weird anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. You can't avoid these spoilers. Yeah, whatever. Go away. Anyway, disclaimer, though, up front, I will say... None of these answers that we are about to give, we're going to talk through some different topics, are going to include Parasite for Best Picture. We're going to save that. We'll talk about that and our thoughts on it at the end, but we all know that happened. And rather than use it for the answer to like every single positive question on this list, we're just going to discuss it later. Right. All right. Well, I guess we couldn't use it for the first one, but that aside, Patrick, so (laughs) the show opens... And I'm curious what your thoughts are on these three elements. The initial Janelle Monae number, there's always some sort of song and dance that takes place. And it was Janelle Janelle Monae uh, with a montage. And then Steve Martin and Chris Rock doing an opening bit, sort of hosting but not hosting. And then overall, just the hostless format as the show progressed, the nature of trying not to have one person out there all the time. What do you think of those things? Well, I'll go backwards. First of all, I want to say that two years into the hostless format and I'm sold. I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. You don't have expectations on any one person. You don't have a house divided on people that like this person and people don't like that person. So not having a host and just bringing out an ensemble of people to announce the winners, to introduce others I thought was fantastic. This has probably been my favorite Oscars to watch more so because I love a lot of the movies that were being honored, but the whole format of the show felt good. Look, just start the thing at six 30. I mean, historically this thing goes half an hour over without a host. So go ahead and just start it at six 30. That way you can get done for the 10 o'clock news. I mean, let's not, Oh, uh, you're, let's not you got to talk. You're talking time zones. And I was like, what are you talking about? My Oscar sorry, started yeah, at I'm, five. I don't want it I'm to sorry. start at six 30. I'm talking about those of us that, you know, live in the future a little bit. So start at 30 minutes earlier, let it end on time. Yeah. I'm yeah, with don't, you. Don't, don't rush people. I'm with you. Uh, yeah. Near the end. And overall, I thought it was fantastic. I loved, <laughs> I love seeing Steve Martin and Chris Rock on stage. What I, what I dug about them more than anything was that their banter and their digs 
for the most part, were pretty lighthearted. They were wholesome. The whole thing was so freaking wholesome, and they were able to be funny. Yes. Everything (sighs) felt very balanced, and I think setting the tone early on made that whole experience so good for me. I confess I didn't get a chance to see the opening number. I I was talking to my family on the phone, and so I, I didn't get to catch that, so I can't speak to that, but... The the Steve Martin Chris Rock I think it it really really set the tone for a fantastic night uh, at the movies. Yeah, so I loved their bit a lot. They went very well together. They played off of each other. Their charisma and their just I mean these are giants of the comedy world, and it showed. Their class was on display, and it was just like i said it was wholesome it was so nice to not have to be vulgar not have to be out of your way gross in order to be funny they definitely had some political jabs and that was fine whatever make your make your statements make your comments i don't care about that i care about how things are delivered and i was just so impressed i would have been fine in a lot of ways if they had hosted the show i was like man if this is the way that the hosting was i thought they were at first i was like did i miss a memo um, but ultimately, I completely agree with you as well on the hostless format. I am 110% in on this. I love it, love it, love it for the same reasons that you just mentioned. Don't have to worry about it being someone that is not going to like, not that half the audience isn't going to like, both in the room and at home. And I think that it, it allows more focus to be on the presenters as well. They stand out more when they show up because they're really transitioning between one and another and not somebody in the middle trying to insert some really random weird jokes that don't really fit anything. I I just I thought it was great. And uh, like you, I also would say this is probably my favorite Oscars in at least that I can remember, to be honest, since I've been podcasting for sure, since I've been majorly into film for the last decade or so, for sure, it's right up there with the best uh, and part of it is also i think like you mentioned because of the winners because i had said this on facebook and i've told my friends this for weeks now i loved so many of these movies that whatever one i was going to be happy there was just there was almost no world in which i was going to be upset there's there's only one thing that i really wasn't thrilled about and even that i can respect enough that it didn't bother me too much. So I just thought that element made this a stress-free experience for me to watch the Oscars. And that was a joy, man, because I definitely have gone into the Oscars before where I cared too much and, you know, I let it wreck me and really ruin my day. And that's no fun. Well, I think that the Oscars have been called the Super Bowl for film lovers, and that's probably the best way to describe them. And a good reflection of that was all of the activity in our thread on the in the Facebook group. I wasn't able to necessarily get as active in terms of responding, but I loved, loved, loved seeing how people reacted to different moments. And Don Shanahan made a great comment. He said, look, if you're going to come to a place where you just appreciate movies and can appreciate everything about celebrating filmmaking and storytelling in a place that people's opinions are welcome. This is the place to do it. And I, I mean, I say this from a biased standpoint, of course, but 
I loved reading back on the comments. I loved being able to catch up and seeing how people reacted to certain things and without feeling like you were going to be completely grossed out or you'd lose sleep or that you had to slam something in order to celebrate something else. And I really felt like that was the tone in the audience. I felt like everybody in that room was glad to be there. They were excited to see these nominations get eventually awarded and they were excited to see the winners go up there on stage. I don't feel like there was really anybody in that audience that was like, ugh, I didn't want to be here. This is this is a terrible night. I mean, I feel like really Tom Hanks alone, I think, epitomized the celebration of what it meant to be a part of that. Look, I would have loved to have been Tony Hawk, you know, some random person sitting in the audience. You know, I know what he was there for, but I was about to say they yeah, only I, showed him at one time, and it was at a very specific moment after a certain movie with a word sure, skateboard sure. in the title one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the fact is, I think last night's Oscars for me showed me that filmmaking and storytelling exists, and it's celebrated around the world, and it should be appreciated for those that are of an international flavor as well as those uh, here in the States. Yeah. Now about the Facebook group real quick, since you brought it up, I, I have to throw some praise on this because I'm excited about it. Okay. And listeners, we promote the Facebook group and our stinger audio at the end of the show every single week. A lot of times we'll talk about it during the episodes. I'm guessing at this point, if you're listening to this show and you have been listening to this show, you either are in the group or you don't have Facebook, but uh, for those who may be discovering us for the first time, listen, Feel and Film, no, 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 that's not it. Facebook.com slash groups slash Feel and Film. It is closed. That is part of what makes it so great. You can come join it. It's fine. You can even search for it and find it. You're going to have to quick click the request button. I'm going to click accept within probably 30 seconds or one of our admins will. But that locks it down. And so it's a smaller group. It's in the hundreds. Don't get me wrong. But it's very much a respectful place and people generally follow Patrick and I's like demeanor on the show. It's more about celebration. It's more about loving movies. It's about feeling film. Literally Patrick, I am in so many different movie groups and many of them that are tied to podcasts similar to what we have. Many of these groups have thousands upon thousands of members, podcasts with hundreds of thousands of listeners. Our thread was over 750 comments last night. I have not seen a single other Oscars thread over 200 comments. I was blown away by the participation, by people wanting to come spend their time last night, chatting in that thread, reacting to the show, and talking with other members of our Feel and Film Facebook group. Guys, everybody out there listening, Patrick and I love this show. And it means the world to us, and the time we come together and spend with each other is very special to us. The fact that you guys enjoy it just is icing on the cake. But I think both of us, if we had to like keep one thing about everything we do, the Facebook group, because it has been a community that has been created and just risen and grown out of what we do, that is our biggest uh, what's the word? Our jewel in our crown. Besides yeah, I don't know what podcast. to say. Yeah, like that's the thing we're the most proud of. That's the thing yes. we are. We find to be the most valuable because it has become this amazing group of movie lovers of all kinds. You'll find film critics from across the globe. You will find people who don't watch anything except Disney movies three times a year. 
and everybody comes together and is respectful and loves each other and talks about film and discovers something almost almost every week somebody's like oh my gosh i learned something or i checked out a new film because of this group it's a great place to be and we would love to have you there's a link to the group in every single episode's show notes and i'll get off the thing now but 750 comments i i was shocked i just i couldn't get over it last night i was on such a high and i was i just thank you to everybody listening right now that was participating in that thread thank you because you made that night for me and i know i'm not the only one and i had so much fun spending it both with my family and friends at home but also interacting with our listeners all right so oh janelle monet my number i I almost went over that uh i did get to see it i thought it was phenomenal janelle monet is amazing she is a heck of a talented uh, actress and singer and it was really cool because during the number, Patrick, they did some like midsummer stuff with people in flowers and uh, some other films as well were represented in the montage and the, the, the way that the act was done. And I did see some initial comments, of course, going out online of people like, oh, how how dare you put that in the opening montage and you didn't even respect it enough to nominate it. And I immediately shut that down because... The thing is, that's exactly what I want to see. Like, this is a celebration of movies in the year. And not all the great movies got nominated. If a movie didn't get a nomination, it doesn't mean it's not amazing. Um, and I like that the Oscars were willing to shine a light and respect some movies that didn't show up in nominations, but everybody still loved. Yeah, this is one of those things where you and I have talked, I don't know if we said it on an episode, but we definitely talked about the fact that the movies that have come out this last year should be celebrated and they shouldn't give their ultimate value on being nominated or even being awarded an Oscar. Those are great things. And we'll talk more about that in detail. But the fact is not every movie can get nominated. I mean, that's just the truth. Otherwise your nominations then become a little bit less valuable. But the fact is there are movies out there that I will champion that didn't make the cut and it doesn't make them bad. It doesn't make them less worthy it just means that they weren't picked you know what if we had an an oscar rewatchable if we had like a redo oscar or an oscars in five years ceremony i would love to see what things get nominated because the fact is our tastes change the fact is movies that were award winners a couple of years ago are kind of forgotten and in a lot of ways i feel like the subjectivity of art and the appreciation of storytelling and film supersedes a a golden trophy that doesn't take away from the honor of that. And as we saw last night, there were some huge, huge honors given for movies that weren't expected. But at the end of the day, man, I love the Fast and Furious franchise. And you can't take that away from me. And it's never going to win a statue. Yeah. It's never going to win a statue. And that's fine. Because one in my heart. Yeah. (laughs) And and I think that when you watch the Oscars, particularly last night, the way you're describing that and even peppered throughout, there was an appreciation for the history of film without being a singular montage on a tribute to the movies. The whole celebration, the whole ceremony felt like a tribute to filmmaking. And for the first time, I think in a while, it didn't feel like it was about the individuals as much as it was about celebrating film. And I think that's what the Oscar should be ultimately. Yep, I agree. And I think that's why we're all responding to it as much as we did as film fans. So moving on, let's get to some of our categories here. Um, we are going to start with favorite speech. Did you have a favorite speech or moment of 
an awards acceptance type. There, there were a, a couple of great ones. I, I was really excited to see Laura Dern win Best Supporting Actress. I champion her as a person. I champion her as an actor. And one of the things that stood out to me was when she talked about um, a person who wants to meet their hero. There's that old adage that you want to meet your heroes. And she said, you know what? For a lot of us, we already have and they're our parents. And I love that. I love the fact that she gave so much love to the the two people that raised her. And it may have been one of those, like, I'd like to thank my mom and dad. But the way she said that made it feel really genuine and really feel like, you know what? These guys didn't just support me. They championed what I was doing. And they saw what I was doing was valuable. I love the way that she said that. And overall, I thought her speech felt very genuine. I thought it felt like it was one of those where she was so excited to be up there. Maybe it was slightly unexpected, but when she got up there, nothing about what she said felt pretentious. And I think that moment about the heroes that we already know and our parents really stood out to me. Yeah, I would definitely agree. She'd be at the top of my list, um, right up there with director bong and i made that joke about director patch in the opening because they called him director bong throughout the ceremony and that's who they referred to him and i mean it's so funny just to hear it with my american ears right to think oh director quentin it, it just it sounds sound like something we're not used to but it sounds so good when it's director bong and i just want to call him that forever from now on he's no longer bong jun ho to me he is director bong and the DB, he's yeah. DB. Um, and so I thought that was great. But it, basically, anytime that Bong Joon Ho was on stage, as he was getting a progressive amount of Oscars, which by the way, I'll save it for history. I'll save it for history. But uh, as he was getting more and more Oscars, he was making these comments like, "Oh, I'm gonna go get drunk now because I'm happy." And then the next one's like, "Well." I thought I was done, uh, but now I'm going to go get drunk. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's like by the end of the night, we had people commenting saying, man, somebody needs to check on director bong and make sure his liver is okay tomorrow morning. So every time he was on, man, I think the, somebody made a post in our Facebook group today and about how fans who have not seen Parasite or director Bong Joon-ho's work fell in love with him just because of his demeanor. There was, my favorite shot from the Oscars, favorite single moment in time, is him looking at his Oscar while someone else is talking. He's in the background at this point, and he's just staring at it lovingly, like in shock. He's not saying those words that we always hear people say, oh, this is what it feels like. He's just in his own world in that moment being proud and and feeling shocked and amazed that he has this trophy. And then he briefly looks towards the crowd and the camera and he has this boyish grin on his face, man. It is the, it made me want to cry. Like I just, I was overwhelmed with joy um, in that moment. And so he was great. Everything about him when he was on stage was great. And then the other is Joaquin's. And I actually wrote down, so 50% of Joaquin's. So, 50% of Joaquin's speech was incredible, and I'm going to talk about the good 50%. He said this during his speech, and I wrote this down so I could quote it. I have been a scoundrel all my life. I've been selfish. 
I've been cruel at times, hard to work with, and I've been grateful that so many of you in this room have given me a second chance. I think that's when we're at our best, when we support each other. Not when we cancel each other for our past mistakes, but when we help each other to grow, when we educate each other, when we guide each other to redemption. That is the best of humanity. When my brother River was 17, he wrote this lyric, Run to the river with love and peace will follow. That was beautiful. He didn't say a damn thing about Joker in his entire speech, to my knowledge. I don't remember him saying anything like about the performance, the movie. And I couldn't agree with him more on this part of his speech, Patrick. It is an amazing thing uh, to call out and ask for a world in which we allow people to be redeemed and we encourage and help each other to get there. And we love and support each other. I mean, I, I don't know what else you could say that's better than that, honestly. I mean, it, it, absolutely not. He is just, I mean, there's nothing. I didn't, I wasn't disagreeing with you at all. I was totally agreeing with you when I said that. But you're right. He doesn't say anything about the movie. In fact, he open, opens up his speech by saying, I'm full of so much gratitude right now. And I do not feel elevated above any of my fellow nominees or anyone in this room because we share the same love, the love of film. And this form of expression has given me the most extraordinary life. I don't know what I'd be without it, but I think that the greatest gift that it's given me and any of us in this room is the opportunity to use our voice for the voiceless. And when you couple that with what you just said, to me, that's going to be one of the most memorable sets of a speech that I think we'll remember. Because the fact is, that's a universal thing. And, you know, when you and I, when we talk about our faith, there are pockets of our faith that exist in those ideas. The idea of being a voice for the voiceless, being able to champion those who are less. And to see a guy who isn't just spouting off rhetoric because he's up there on stage and saying, we need to be better. He's saying, no, I need to be better. I mean, this is essentially part two of his Golden Globe speech. And honestly, man, I kind of love that nothing about it had to do with anything related to his movie or anyone else. But it also didn't feel like he was using it as a platform. For the first time, I think in a long time, I didn't cringe when somebody else was talking about something other than their movie. I think that what he said was important, and I think that it resonates and will continue to resonate in the days and weeks and months and years to come. At least I hope so. Yeah. And I'll just throw this out there because I love to do that. He shook my hand. That's right. He shook my hand. This hand right here. This one. He shook it and he said, hi, who are you? And I said, I'm Aaron. I'm here for interviews. And he said, hi, Aaron. Nice to meet you. I'm Joaquin. And I was like, no freaking crap. No, I didn't say that, but my brain wanted to say that. I was exploding. Anyway, I have shooken the hand, shooken, shaken, shook, shook, shaked the hand of an Oscar winner. And I am blessed. Hashtag blessed. Okay. Moving on, least favorite speech. Patrick, I'm letting you go first on pretty much all these just to keep it consistent. I was going to preload Renee Zellweger's speech before she even got up there to accept the award because of what she did at the Golden Globes. But she she didn't disappoint. <laughs> she was just a little incoherent <laughs> by the end of her speech. And I think she said a oh, little? more than I did. 
Yeah, I think the ums outlasted the actual speech, probably more so than the number of times that I say um on the show. I think she beat me to it. It it was less about being offensive and about being a bad speech. And well, no, it was just about being a bad speech. I felt like, unlike what Joaquin Phoenix did in his speech, hers felt like it was forced. She was accepting the nomination or the award, and she was saying all these things about her fellow nominees. And then she went into a little, not rant, but just a little elevated thing that tried to connect Judy with other ideas that didn't really make sense at all. I mean, for the most part, it just didn't make sense. And I think I walked away from that speech going, okay, well, congrats, Renee. You got a statue and you kind of missed an opportunity to say something good. So good for you. Didn't love it. Didn't like it. Wanted it to end very much. So, you know, there's something to be said about being prepared and I appreciated at the beginning of her coming up there without notes and winging it. And there I, I love that you brought this up, Heather. A lot of what she was trying to say, I really respect. She was trying to talk about heroes. And that's a good thing. That's okay. That's nothing wrong with that. It was just a matter of like watching it from an entertainment perspective. You know, I don't take away or would never take away her right to have that moment but it's hard to enjoy it with so much incoherence as part of it my other big one was the second 50 percent of joaquin's speech because somewhere in all of that beauty he transitions into a climate change um tirade slash calling for you know to the absolution of use of animal products one of the members in our group chat, Joe Doran, said, you can pry my coffee creamer out of my cold, dead hands, Joaquin. And I just busted out laughing when I read it because that's how I felt. I was like, all right, now we're going out. We're going against cows. Like, let's bring it back to redemption, my friend. Let's let's talk about helping each other out and supporting each other some more and less about how we're evil for creating a cow so we can eat it. But, you know, that's a personal thing. I So I didn't love that. It was like it was. It was kind of a weird mixed bag for me. I will say this, though, to kind of end the speech thing on a high or on a positive note, rather, is that I have come around. I used to not like actors being able to say anything about what they feel. And I used to I mean, and I think this is indicative of growth that anybody can experience. So if you're like me and you used to actually hold the thought of. LeBron, just shut up and play. You know, Joaquin, just shut up and act. This is their moment. And I'm okay with them saying whatever it is they got to say. And and I'm going to disagree with them sometimes. But I like that they have the right and that they have earned the ability and the the right to to say something, right? And so I'm fine with it. And I'm not going to love them all. I'm going to roast them when I can and disagree because you're telling me not to eat cows. But I all in favor of him being able to say whatever it is that he passionately feels in that moment. There's something about the concept of acting like you've been there before. And I'm like you, I felt like I've gotten a little bit more mature in being able to just absorb the speeches that I agree or don't agree with. Matthew McConaughey had a great speech several years ago where he talked about 
meeting his hero and his hero was himself like in the past or 10 years ago. It was a really great speech. But I think for me, when I look at these speeches, I respect the ability to speak your mind more from veterans, those that have been nominated several times that have earned the right to be on that stage, even if they don't get a chance to be on that stage. Joaquin Phoenix has been there before. He's a seasoned actor. He's had an interesting career. But if it were somebody who had been nominated once or twice and had gotten the award that year after being there once, I don't know that I would receive it as well because there's something to be said about earning your spot, earning the ability to get up there and say what you want. And that may be a very subjective vantage point, but I felt like hearing what I did from Joaquin as much as I thought his middle section was kind of weird, uh, but understandable. I think that he earned that spot. This is the first time I think that I've agreed with the con the, the concept of somebody saying, yeah, he earned the right to be up there to say exactly what he wanted to say. And I agree with that. Yep. And it doesn't hurt that I agree with a lot of what he said too. Yeah. I mean, that always makes it a lot easier to stomach. Right. So. Well, our next category is biggest pleasant surprise. And this could be a personal pleasant surprise, or this could be something that you consider like a big pleasant surprise for the show, for a movie, for a studio, or whatever. I think the love that Ford v. Ferrari got last night was... Shocker. Probably didn't my, see yeah, that coming. Didn't see that coming at all. Right. Um, the, the shocker, though, was the fact that it got one of the two sound awards that typically come in pairs. So finding out that 1917 got sound mixing both surprised me and didn't disappoint me at all. I think you and I were both talking about that, how I picked Ford v. Ferrari for both of those. I think you picked 1917 for both. And the fact that they split and our points basically split as well was probably one of the more surprising wins for both and the fact that that award got split that's probably the most shocking is that an award that traditionally gets kind of paired up sound editing and sound mixing usually go to the same movie the fact that these two movies got selected for one and the other tell me that hey maybe there are people out there that actually understand what these categories are which makes me very happy me too because truly they actually got them right like, if you know what sound editing and sound mixing are, these are probably the right, correct choices for those two movies to fall into. And it was astounding to me to see that happen. I mean, that that was more shocking to me than Best Picture, to be honest. Like, I was like, this just never happens. They don't know the difference. And so for them to get that so right and to see Ford v. Ferrari get to win two, I mean, I was just on cloud nine, not only for you specifically, Definitely for you, because when one of us truly like love, love, love something even more than the other one, we want that for the other person. But I, I mean, I wanted it. I picked them in my I want them to win sheet, you know, so I was extremely excited uh, about that. Did you have any other big, pleasant surprises? I think seeing um, seeing director <laughs> director Bong winning best director and this kind of ties into the whole speech thing. I, I think that seeing him be very specific when giving love to the other director nominees, it's one thing to say, gosh, 
I am in a category with some great directors. Yes, that's a very true statement, but he got very specific about why Quentin Tarantino is a favorite director of his. And there is something magical about being specific, about specifically saying something about someone. It tells you that they're not just feeding you lip service. So I, I guess I wasn't surprised that he won, but I think that I was very happy and shocked because it was a really, really stacked category. Yeah, definitely was. And it was pretty awesome to see him get that award. I have a few. Uh, one, these are not in any order, so don't roast me if you think I've got them placed wrongly or something, listeners. Eminem for me was a big pleasant surprise. I love, love, love that musical montage when they do it at the Oscars. Okay. I was watching it with my family and friends and we were excited. We were trying to imagine what movies were going to come next as quickly as we could. We were just geeking out at all of the references and the way that the editing flowed into the opening of eight mile. And I was like, man, they're really, this is really far back. Like if they're going to do the lose yourself moment, like they need to get to the music. And so I was like, had me a little confused. And then it's kind of leads up to like that happening. And it was just awesome. The energy was awesome. If you don't know the story listeners, Eminem won an Oscar. I believe, I believe he won the Oscar for lose yourself for eight mile. And he did not perform. He was like in the middle of like a year long sabbatical, like 17 years ago. He wasn't doing it. He didn't go to the Grammys either. And so he never got to perform on the Oscars stage. And so for those of you who are just like, why is Eminem out there all of a sudden? It's kind of like a comeback for him. 17 years later, he is getting to perform his song that he won an Oscar for on the stage. It was a big deal. And a lot of people in the room realized it. And you could tell. There was an equal number of people <laughs> like Martin Scorsese who just did not understand what was happening. And it was hilarious to watch. So I had a blast. I thought it was hilarious and a little annoying that they kept beeping him out. It was like, you know what he's going to perform. You know what the words to the song are. So I just let it ride or don't have him do it. One of the two. I mean, I, I don't know. I was like, come on, guys. But I was really, really pleased to see that. I thought that was a lot of fun. And especially in a year of relatively lackluster overall performances musically, uh, I thought that it was nice to have him there to spice it up. Now, Cynthia Erivo brought the house down, her song Stand Up. I actually got this prediction correct by picking the Rocketman song, but I probably would have gotten it wrong had I listened to this song or heard it live like that before, Patrick, because I would have voted for it in a heartbeat. Uh, it was amazing. And I had no idea Cynthia Arrivo had those pipes on her and could sing as good as she could act. Like, that was amazing. And I also loved the Into the Unknown number. So I liked that song quite a bit. And I thought, most importantly, it was really freaking cool to bring Elsa's voice actors from around the world into that auditorium to sing that song together. Uh, somebody in, in my house was like, they don't look anything like Elsa. <laughs> I was like, no, neither does Adina Menzel. And I know how to say her name, John Travolta. But um, 
it was it was awesome. I just thought it was so cool. Like bring that international representation into the Oscars. If you're going to go on, go on, go all out, man. Like it was yeah. cool. Yeah. Unless I have a dog in the fight, I usually if there's a down part of the Oscars for me, it's the musical performances just because they don't typically add anything of special value for me, especially a couple of years ago with with um, with La La Land, not seeing not seeing the original you know, I see you rolling your eyes. You know what I'm talking about. Not not seeing the original two performing, but watching these five, I think every performance was really good. And in particular, the the international flavor that that song brought. I think that we tend to forget that American movies are dubbed in multiple languages. And a franchise as popular as Frozen shouldn't be an exception. It should be the rule, I guess. Um, also, as a side note, I love Josh Gad's little little banter about it. The fact that he said, you know, for instance, the uh, the Elsa in Canada has free healthcare. You know, just little little digs like that. Is in Dina Menzel. Yeah, he's again, you know, having little moments like that. I think helped kind of punch up the the flow of the Oscars. But overall, yeah, I, I think the uh, the musical performances were pretty great. That's another thing about the hostless format. So those jokes would have likely come from a host and they don't play as well when it's someone removed from that experience. But when you have Olaf making that joke, it is entirely different. And there is a, a, a level of buy-in, a level of familiarity there that makes it go so much better. Uh, a couple more for me, Neon as a studio winning best picture uh, for Parasite. They became a studio, Patrick. I don't know if you're aware of this. On January 13th, 2017, three years into their existence, they won Best Picture at the Oscars. And frankly, they would have won Best Documentary at the Oscars too had Apollo 11 been appropriately nominated. That is unbelievable. Uh, we in the Seattle Film Critics Society for a couple of years now have really gotten excited about Neon because they send us this like awesome book with a whole bunch of movies in it and they're all really good i mean they had honeyland this year honeyland was a dual nominee in documentary and international feature film uh portrait of a lady on fire isn't even coming out until this weekend for valentine's day but easily would have been an international nominee they would have had at least like three of them they may have had more it, it is crazy like they are on fire um they're as hot or hotter than a24 is right now frankly uh, and so keep your eye on Neon because whatever they're doing, man, the movies that they're choosing to produce and choosing to pick up are winners <laughs> and uh, keep just, you know, it's just, it's just awesome to see some studio come out of nowhere in three years, like win an Oscar best, best moment of the Oscars other than Bong Joon-ho staring at his statue. And maybe even better than that, to be honest, was seeing Shia LaBeouf. And Zach Gossigan come out to present an award. I was not expecting it. It was amazing. Um, Zach struggled to get through some things. And I immediately texted you and I was like, this is exactly what I was trying to say. Like, So he's processing. He's taking some time, reading his teleprompter, getting his stuff right, right? This is exactly what makes that performance in the Peanut Butter Falcon so, so mind-blowingly good. Because this is a, a man who struggles with some of these things on a daily, regular basis, and yet he's able to give that performance? 
I mean, it, it just didn't get the recognition this year that I think it should have. And I thought that this showed it, but it was just a beautiful touching moment. Uh, there's a point where Shia kind of is making a joke about something Zach says wrong. And I know people, of course, on Twitter, like went crazy, like talking about how Shia was joking at the expense of a man with Down syndrome. No, folks, <laughs> if you've listened to our Being a Butter Falcon episode, I went through a lot of history about it. I can assure you, based on everything and every interview he's given and everything anybody knows, that what Shia was probably doing was trying to diffuse and make it a lot more comfortable for Zach because they are very good close friends. There is no way he was trying to make fun of Zach. I almost think he might have pronounced Widow intentionally wrong instead of Neighbor's Widow window. He said Neighbor's Widow. I almost think he did it wrong on purpose, to be honest with you, because he cares about Zach. And so I just want to make sure nobody listening has that mindset of like, oh, Shia is some evil person. No, these were like two best friends. And I thought it was just a beautiful moment and really cool to let him get up there and be a part of the Oscars presentation. Absolutely. And I think, again, it was reflective of the tone of the Oscars and being able to celebrate not just those that were nominated, but the great storytelling that 2019 gave us. Last for biggest pleasant surprise, shout out Mr. Don Shanahan. The Irishman goes 0 for 10. I don't know if that's in the history category. I didn't check or I would have gone and thrown it down there in the history. Don will fact check for us in the morning. But let me tell you, (laughs) I, I say it's the biggest pleasant surprise. I only say that because I liked it less than all the movies it was going up against. It's not because I'm rooting for the movie to fail and not win awards. It's simple. I mean, Joe Pesci was my no brainer best supporting actor if Brad Pitt wasn't there, but he was. So it's not like I was thrilled because I want the movie to suffer. I just was glad because I wanted all of the other movies to win. And this means they did when it goes over 10. I have yet to still see the Irishman and I just, I have very little interest in it. I should. I should see it. But I'm really more vicarious with it through Don and saying that the fact is it just represented a stacked field of really great movies. And I think a lot of people who are on the Scorsese hater bandwagon, like I can't believe you can't appreciate popular films, are probably celebrating this more than more than most. But the truth is... The Irishman was nominated because it was a good movie, apparently. And hopefully in three or four months when I decide to actually sit down and watch it, I'll give my own subjective opinion on it. But but yeah, it was it was a pleasant surprise. And but I think it speaks more for the just level of quality that existed in the other movies as well. Definitely. Did you have any shocking winners not named Parasite? (laughs) I, I no, actually, I didn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, it, it is hard to say anything was super shocking because they were all so good and you kind of figured everything was down to one or two different nominees in almost all of the fields and pretty much all of those won. I think you already called out what may have been our most shocking winner, which would be Ford v. Ferrari, even though it was completely you know, made sense for it to win sound mixing, but we were just surprised by that happening. And other than that, yeah, it pretty much comes down to, I I thought that Quentin Tarantino was going to take 
you know, screenplay. So I was pretty surprised, I guess, by Parasite winning that. But I mean, that was indicative of what was going to happen later in the show anyway. You know, like it all made sense within context of the whole award. So nothing really, really blew me out of the water. Uh, what about any disappointments? Did you have any big major disappointments? I mean, nothing major. My biggest want that didn't get was adapted screenplay. I thought Greta Gerwig's Little Women was fantastic. In fact, when they gave the montage of each nomination, the clip that they used for Little Women, I think was the moment in the movie that I said, this needs to win adapted screenplay. At the same time, I wasn't surprised that Jojo Rabbit won. I'm learning to appreciate um, <laughs> YTT a little bit more as a comedic director. I mean, he's great at that. My dad and I were going back and forth a, a couple of nights ago, I think before the Oscars, talking about the social network. And he had mentioned uh, the next day that he had watched Thor Ragnarok. And he said, man, it was hilarious. And I'm going, yes, yes, it was hilarious. And I, I think that 2020, or at least part of my goal this year, needs to be to appreciate YTT a little bit more than I do. And um, so seeing him not only get the award, but also saying what he did in his speech put the win on a different level for me. So I wasn't disappointed and like, oh, that was terrible. I wanted Little Women to win because Greta Gerwig should have been nominated for Best Director and she wasn't. Um, so I needed this to be the one for her, but I wasn't unhappy that he won. Fair. I, I would agree with you there. And, you know, I obviously was disappointed in that win more than anything over the course of the night. If you've listened to me at all, I despise Jojo Rabbit. I am that guy who's offended by it and can't get over the idea of laughing at Nazis and just let me have my thing. I am who I am and I'm not going to apologize for it. Just like I'm not going to roast you for loving that movie and thinking it is the most hilarious thing ever because I get it and I understand that. And most people responded to his satire of that era very well. I did not. And there are plenty of people like me based on the likes on my letterbox review where I went off about this movie. But that being said, Taika Waititi is a Jewish man. It's not like I don't honor what he is trying to do and have any problem with that. You know, I, I respect him and I do think he is incredibly talented. I love what we do in the shadows. Um, I have not seen Hunt for the Wilderness People, sadly, which is crazy. I need to because it's probably like the type of movie from him that is right up my alley. I need to check it out. I'm excited for the movie he's got coming out this year. It sounds awesome. It's like a true story, and it, I just think it's going to be great. It's not satire. <laughs> so, well, maybe it is, actually. Who knows? I guess it could be. But it's a different kind of film, and I just I agree with you 100%. But I wanted Greta Gerwig to win that. I needed Greta Gerwig to win that for the exact same reasons you just said. She didn't get nominated for director. We both wanted her to be, and it was a bummer and a missed opportunity, I think, to recognize what is I feel is greatness. So he did fine. And I can respect that, but like her script is phenomenal and timely. And I just, it's great. So anyway, uh, other biggest disappointments overall was 1917 kind of not getting much love, <laughs> shockingly, other than some technical awards. You know what? I think that it got 
if there were any award that I wanted it to get more than anything, it was cinematography. Uh, because I think that when it comes to film editing, I think it got shafted in the fact that it didn't even get nominated and whether or not people think, oh, it's just one continuous shot. There wasn't anything to edit. I know people don't think that, but if there are people that do have some kind of thought like that, that have a right to vote, they need to be taken off the Oscar board. I think that it got the awards that it deserved to get. And I think it was nominated for the awards that it should have been nominated for. And I know that's a very vanilla reaction, but I wasn't disappointed in what it got and what it didn't get. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, I just, I would have liked to seen it get more love. I, I wanted honestly more spreading around. And that's what I expected. I did not think one film parasite was going to win screenplay director and picture. I thought that with three legitimate best picture front runners that we could spread those awards out, which leads into my other biggest disappointment was Quentin not getting anything. <laughs> and look, I have Little Women as my favorite film of the year. If you ask me this question a year from now, Patrick, I would almost predict that it's going to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was able to buy it today for 10 bucks on sale on Voodoo, the digital 4K version with all of the special features, by the way, listeners. Go check it out. Voodoo, there's a major sale. Um, I love that movie. I could rewatch it endlessly. I am super excited for any additional work he wants to put into this world if he wants to make it into a longer series or an extended edition if he wants to actually do bounty law and put it out there whatever i'm watching it i'm there first in line and i just wanted him to get one of them man i either screenplay or director or picture and again those three movies and those three awards that was my personal like perfect scenario was some combination of those three movies getting those three awards and they didn't and it is what it is but that was a big disappointment for me the studio disappointments netflix did not have a great night got the win for laura dern got the win for american factory which i think is silly and should have gone to forsama uh, but they got that that was it and they have a ton of nominations both uh, two nominations in the animated category. I really was starting to think they were going to maybe pull that out for Klaus there at the end. I was actually, if we go back to shocked winners, weirdly enough, I was shocked that Toy Story 4 still won because it felt like the narrative had been shifting. That made two of us. <laughs> yeah. Right. Isn't that weird? Like you feel like it's a given the Pixar is going to win. And by the time the show rolled around, it was like, man, nobody's talking about Toy Story 4. It had no momentum, but it still comes out on top. So that was surprising. So yeah, Netflix, uh, second year in a row, not coming home with the big prizes. And I think that, I mean, they did get, you know, director last year. So that was a big prize. But um, I think that they had, they had higher hopes, I would say, with multiple Best Picture nominees. And then now the same thing that was in the biggest pleasant surprise is The Irishman. It has to be a big disappointment for Netflix and for The Irishman in particular to go 0 for 10. Um, that's got to be a rough day is all I'm saying. And I do not feel good for those folks in the room. That had to be hard to watch your film not get called a single time and to have, you know, I mean, double digit nominations is not something that happens very often, except in this Oscar to happen like three times, which yeah, is incredibly rare. <laughs> and the only reason that the Irishman got shut out is because there were other films that 
had the same type of double digit nomination. But if there was any comment, if there was any connection I had with the Irishman, it was the fact that our short film for the 48, the last time we competed, had that same exact scenario, like double digit nominations and goose egg when it came to actually <laughs> getting awards. I thought <laughs> so you were say you made a short film about killing Jimmy Hoffa, and I was like, no, I no, didn't no. see that one. That probably would have gotten us some kind of award, <laughs> but you know, despite audience favorite, we went over it. <laughs> The 11 uh, categories we were nominated in. Please go by director patch in the future. Just, just <laughs> for me. I need to put out more stuff before I can take that honor. Okay. Uh, quality musical performance. We've already talked about that earlier. I think we don't need to do that. Overall production value. Any additional thoughts on Oscars overall? We both mentioned how much we really just loved the show in general. I was just going to say Tom Hanks ruled the show. The fact that he championed turning the lights back on. And again, Start it half an hour earlier, you wouldn't have this problem. You'd let these guys breathe, you'd let them celebrate, and you wouldn't make Jane Fonda feel like an idiot whenever <laughs> the spotlight goes on her. But overall, I thought it was just a great production. I think everything was in sync for the most part, and there weren't really many flubs at all. No, I agree. I thought, and I thought it flowed really well. I thought the pace was good. A little bit, I think there's always celebrities left out of In Memoriam kind of annoyed that Luke Perry wasn't mentioned. That, that's a little bit of a bummer. Um, but, I mean, these are nitpicks in an otherwise great show. But, yeah, the pace for me, man, it was so on point. I, it just, I never lost interest. I never found myself shifting. I was actually anxious to get back in my seat after commercials, ready to go, and didn't want the commercials. I mean, it was just really, really well done. So speaking of commercials, um, I saw on social media before the Oscars started that there was a, a website uh, with the hashtag giveherabreak.org that was essentially an ad campaign to champion women and women filmmakers, women directors, because of the fact that not a single woman got nominated. And so if you're not familiar with this, what, what they did was this website allowed for the ABC broadcast to stream, and then during the commercial breaks, they would cut over to show trailers for movies that were directed by women and it was uh for at least the first hour very very cool because there were movies that i had not seen yet that are still on my watch list the farewell being one of them this was a different trailer i hadn't seen this particular trailer so it really piqued my interest i'm excited to watch it now um, Hustlers was another one, but it was a chance not only to get more educated in saying, oh, I didn't know that was uh, directed by a woman and fantastic. And it created a sense of not only just creating a brand new watch list, but also really celebrating the fact that there needs to be more representation. And after the first hour, it kind of got repetitive. You know, the ads kept coming up for the snarky, hey, you know, the Oscars didn't nominate anybody, so we're hijacking their ads. And um, for the most part, it was great. I switched back over to the broadcast like in hour number two or something like that. But it was a really, really cool thing to see. And if anybody else had a chance to experience that at least for a little bit, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too. Yeah, very cool thing indeed. We had somebody on the Facebook group post that, and that was we wouldn't have known about it otherwise. So good for them. History, Parasite. First ever international film slash foreign language film to ever win the Oscar for Best Picture in 92 years. Incredible. Amazing moment. You've already mentioned Tom Hanks a couple times and the way that they kept the lights on. He and Charlize with their hands in the air pumping up the crowd. I mean, 
the genuine response from both the actors and the filmmakers on stage and the crowd in collectively being proud of that win and understanding its historical significance was amazing. And for those of us who have followed these movies all year long, I think it just had, you know, it really does almost move you to tears when you talk about it and when you watch it, because you know, it's such a breakthrough of epic proportions. And I know that the general film fan who goes to five or six movies in a theater every year and thinks why they're going to watch the Oscars and see those movies mentioned, is probably like, what the heck? And bored. And maybe that's why I have viewerships down. I don't know, but I don't care because that's not what it's about. It's not about celebrating the movies that were popular. It's about celebrating the movies that were the best. Um, and they got it right in a sense. Like we are fine with this. And there's so many years when we're not fine with it, Patrick, <laughs> that I, I just am shocked and amazed and happy. Uh, it wasn't the only history I mentioned the, the neon thing. That's incredible with the three year deal. Um, Joker score. That was a pretty amazing thing. First female composer to win in 20 years. So that was really, really neat. And again, not my pick. You know, Thomas Newman is my favorite composer. Well, not my favorite. One of my absolute top three or so favorite composers of all time. He's now 0 for 15 in Oscar nominations. Roger Deakins was 0 for 14 uh, prior to winning his first Oscar for cinematography two years ago for Blade Runner 2049. And now he's won two in a row. Uh, for him, two in a row. Uh, so maybe Newman's is coming eventually, but I, I can't be mad because Hilder is like breaking ground, you know, and it, it is just, those are the kind of things that I think we'll look back on this particular ceremony and remember it for instead I, of a flub with a, a pick in reading an envelope or disagreeing with who won what. Well, I tell you more than anything, Parasite's going to be one of those movies that lives on in infamy five, 10 years, 15 years down the road because of the impact that it makes, not only as a film, but also as social commentary, also as creative storytelling. And that's something that I like to look back on is when I was talking to my dad about the social network, we don't necessarily talk about movies that much, but we had, I kid you not, an almost 20 minute conversation about that movie talking about Aaron Sorkin and how much we love him as a screenwriter, the actors, the soundtrack, everything that went into that, all for a movie that didn't win Best Picture. And it lost to a movie that I don't talk about, that I don't even remember. I've only seen once that is not even rewatchable. It's not a bad movie. King's Speech is fine. But The Social Network stands above its other nominees in terms of its longevity. And I think Parasite is going to do that not because the other movies are any worse. I think they're all fantastic. I think this is going to be the year where probably eight of the 10 movies are going to be talked about five years from now. And Which is the same thing in social networks year, actually. Yes. Where there's quite a few nominees that I would have picked probably over half of them or more over King's speech. Right. And so I think for parasite, not only is it memorable, but of its, international importance and what it did last night i think it just kind of keeps heaping on and heaping on and heaping on just how great of a win this is for filmmaking for south korea for a lot of reasons it needs to be celebrated yeah i wanted to point out 
a couple of comments in our group. So we have a couple of Korean uh, listeners who were active in the group chat and watching them get excited, get nervous as Parasite was winning more and more was emotionally impactful for me. Nicole kind of screamed, wow, look at my people with a whole bunch of you know Korean flags when they're on stage. And Matt Fletcher said, I haven't felt this sense of pride and nationality in a long time. That is something that we as white dudes in America don't ever have to think about. Right. But for these folks, it's incredible. Like they love movies. They're huge film fans. They're seeing themselves on an Oscar stage, accepting awards. Like that's not something that has happened. And it means the world to them. And it really is life changing and, and that special. You know, Matt was talking about how he's still crying like a day later. It's just, it, it's that powerful. Um, and I think that that is so neat and I, so progressive. And I just pray that this is a direction we're going to go and not just a blip in the frying pan. You know, after Oscars So White, we had like one year where half the nominees were, uh, actors of color and then like we went back to everybody being white except for one so i'm hoping that this is the beginning of a change in the way that we vote for these awards both in the nominations which is more important to me of course um, but also in even the winners yeah it's great stuff it really is and in the digital world I, i i think the one thing that's lacking is the ability to just give actual hugs to people seeing the reaction that guys like Matt had, I wanted to be there and just say, dude, congrats and just give him a big hug and say, I'm so proud of this movie and proud of what it's done. I mean, you want to celebrate with someone and with a group that has longed for something like this. Um, it feels really good to be a part of celebrating that and to at least at a tertiary level, be able to feel that with them. But it was great, great, great to see reactions like that last night and last but not least somebody just posted this in the group so i've got to share there is a picture out on the internet go find it of bong joon ho having his two oscar statues and the quote is bong joon ho did 100 percent what any of us would do if we won more than one oscar he made them make out and it is a picture of bong joon ho making his two oscars kiss that is amazing and that is why we love him (laughs) it's great all right, we are going to transit. Man, we went when we started recording this episode. We were like, "Oh, this one will be quick. <laughs> we won't have a lot to say, so we're just gonna, you know, blaze through this in an hour." And here we are, like over an hour, and we're just now getting to the Theater's Choice Award. Oh, we're not getting to the Theater's Choice Award. I die, I take that back because there's this little matter of an Oscar bet. Patrick thought for like <laughs> half a second, he was like, "Yes." He's going to forget. No. Under the table. We can keep it under the table. Not going to forget. (laughs) So if you listened to our predictions episode, listeners, we did what we did the last few years, which is we made a bet on our Oscar picks. And we don't do straight up. We do confidence points. And I've got some data here to share that I think is pretty phenomenal. So the short answer, I'm not going to drag this out. I won. And here are the numbers. Patrick went 14 and 10. I went 18 and 6. This was the best I've done in a decade. I think I rarely do this well. In fact, I 
actively people are always are asking me Aaron what are your Oscar picks they were even asking me up until Oscar Sunday in the afternoon they were like are you gonna post your picks I'm like you guys don't want mine I'm not like an Oscar pundit you don't want to follow my lead but I did really well this time um for confidence picks we were a lot closer I think so you were 212 out of 300 Patrick I was 248 out of 300 the really neat thing is that both of us dominated with our confidence positioning. So like you had your 15 point up to 24 point selections all correct. It, it was crazy. I had like my number 12 to my number 24 correct except for one, which is what made the difference ultimately. But we did a really great job of mm-hmm. kind of knowing where to put those points. And I just thought that was incredibly interesting. Yeah, I was um, because I was I'm traveling, if you don't know already, with the echo of the hotel around me. But I was watching this solo in my hotel room. And so I was keeping up with our confidence once I had your copy printed out and my copy printed out. What lost it for me was we both picked best original song correctly. You picked it 24. I picked it one. So that was a huge, huge swing. The other one over half the gap. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one was, um, film editing. I think I, I picked incorrectly and lost like 15 points. I think you had a similar amount. So those were kind of the two big ones, but yeah, for the most part, I think we were both feeling pretty confident about the, about the ones that, that we had picked. And, um, as we've said before, despite the fact that I owe you a pop, which I'm always glad to, to give you, I love the fact that we were celebrating remotely just as things were popping up. Like I didn't, you and I both said we didn't care that this movie won or that because the fact is we love the fact that we both picked, I think, 1917 to win Best Picture and we both lost, but we didn't lose. We both won. Because but we, we were both cheering with everybody else when Parasite yeah, won. Absolutely. I love you said they were popping up. And by the way, so about that pop. I have three or four choices for you to choose from okay. for my victory pop. So Gandalf the White, a recently released new Gandalf that I do not own. It's my favorite movie. That's the tie in there. Uh, you can choose one of these. Happy Gilmore, because Adam Sandler should have won Best Actor, even <laughs> though he wasn't nominated. Right. Or if you're feeling super generous, there are a couple of great combos, both that are not quite out yet, but they will be very soon. There is a Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett set. They're not together. They're separate from Bad Boys that are awesome. It's actually Thin Marcus, not Fat Marcus from Bad Boys 3. And there is a Gustave and Zero set from the Grand Budapest Hotel that look amazing. So if you're feeling super generous and want to get one of those two groupings, that would be great. Otherwise, I am totally fine. This is by no means me like trying to pressure you. I'm just giving you some fun choices. Uh, because I found out those existed and I was really excited when I saw them. But yeah, so Gandalf, Happy Gilmore, The Bad Boys, or The Bad Boys of the Grand Budapest Hotel would work as well. Fantastic. I think all of those are great picks, and I'll uh, I'll see what I can get for you here in the next couple of weeks. All righty. So now, 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 we are going to transition into the good old Feeler's Choice Awards reveal. Fourth annual. I like to say fourth annual. We've been doing this for four years. This is fantastic. Four years? Really? Four years, yeah. Fourth annual. Goodness gracious. I remember the first time we did it when I said first annual and you corrected me. Do you remember that conversation? Not, yes. I said it's I know. inaugural. You made it's me never... change. I was mad. <laughs> uh, but you were right. And I was wrong. Okay. Well, 
now that we've had the Oscar winners, which were so good that, you know, usually we're like, yeah, well, ours are better, but the Oscars did pretty darn good. I, I really do like our winners, though. I'm pretty proud of these. So here we go. Do you have them up? Do you want me to just read through these, or do you want to... I've got them up, so if you want me to read some, I can, or if you want to... We'll do... We'll alternate. Okay. How about that? Okay, so I'll start. Best Costume Design. The nominees were 1917, Dolomite Is My Name, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Rocket Man. Sorry, I should back up real quick. One quick thing. In case you aren't aware, we limit our nominating process... That happens through a series of polls over the course of a week where our Facebook group members vote up what they want. The top five become the nominees. That's how this works. And then we post the link in the Facebook group, and the Facebook group uh, is able to vote on these awards. Like we said earlier, we just lock it down because uh, while many of you who are listening and not members of the Facebook group, we would love to give you the opportunity to vote. We just don't want to put this link on Twitter or out into the world, because then we're going to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of votes from people that don't necessarily listen to this podcast and are not big fans. And we want it to be representative of the listener base. And we would love for you to be a part of that. So come join the Facebook group. Okay. Now, best costume design. Back to the show. <laughs> I always want to say that. Uh, 1917, Dolomite is my name, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Rocket Man. And the Feeler's Choice Award goes to... Okay, I'm not going to do that every time. Uh, Jacqueline Duran for Little Women, which we are very happy about. Yay. Good job. Good job. <laughs> if you aren't aware of this little tidbit, all of the Little Women's individual costumes at all times had either some sort of fabric nod to their personality or was a different color that was alluding to their personality. There's a lot of detail that went into those costumes beyond just, oh, they look period appropriate. So Didn't know that. Very special. Yeah. They 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 were very, very much worthy of the win. Good deal. Best documentary, we had the nominations go out for American Factory, Apollo 11, For Sama, Love and Tosha, and One Child Nation. Great, great nominations. Phenomenal but, set. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to say that Apollo 11 came out on top as the best documentary for the Feeler's Choice Awards this year. Awesome. I'm so glad we gave it to the right movie. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Best animated feature. We nominated How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Klaus, Missing Link, Toy Story 4, and Weathering with You, which makes me very happy. But the Feeler's Choice Award goes to Toy Story 4. After my most recent viewing of Weathering with You, I am very disappointed, but whatever. It's okay. You <laughs> it's know. okay. He got it nominated. We're celebrating yes, nominations. Celebrating nominations. Celebrating, right. Best original screenplay is up next. The nominations are Knives Out, Marriage Story, Parasite, The Peanut Butter Falcon, and Ooh. Once <laughs> And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the winner went to Parasite. Director Bong. Yes, way to say it correctly. <laughs> Best Adapted Screenplay. We nominated A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and Toy Story 4. And the Feeler's Choice Award for Best Adapted Screenplay went to Greta Gerwig for Little Women. There it is. So we got yes. her in... <laughs> 
here. Good job, feelers. We're happy and we are very proud of you and think that you made a great choice. Why don't you go off for best original song and I'll do best original score. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Best original song. We nominated, or you nominated. I keep saying we, but I didn't. I did contribute, so I guess I can say we. I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away, Toy Story 4. I'm Gonna Love Me Again, Rocket Man, Glasgow from Wild Rose, Show Yourself from Frozen 2, and Speechless from Aladdin. And the Feeler's Choice Award, again, matching the Oscars, which quite a few of these have done, is I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man. Elton John, Sir Elton John, wins the Feeler's Choice Award. Fantastic. Best original score, the nominations were 1917, Joker, Marriage Story, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, and Us. Great kind of diverse group of scores there. But the winner, much like the Oscar, went to Joker, and the composer was Hildur Gunadertit. Wow, that's impressive. I, I, I want to give you a Feeler's Choice Award for pronunciation. <laughs> best, best pronunciation? Per, yep. See, I can't say pronunciation. <laughs> All my effort went into saying her name, and now I can't even say pronunciation right. Yeah, you spent all your your goodwill right now. I'm spent. (laughs) Again, matching the Oscar. Yeah, that's great. And my personal pick. I I wanted her to win. Awesome. I love the composer montage at the Oscars, by the way. The way that these scores roll together was beautiful. By a female composer, too. Uh, Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, Director. Conductor, not composer. Uh, Conductor. Conductor, Conductor, that's the word. Next up, we have Best Sound Editing. Nominations were 1917... Ad Astra, Avengers Endgame, Ford v. Ferrari, and Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker. We only do one sound category, folks. We don't have a sound mixing. We just do sound editing. Um, And that award went to Ford v. Ferrari, which makes us extremely happy. Yeah, Much like the Oscars. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're saying this a lot, much like the Oscars. (laughs) That's that's why it was so good. Best visual effects. The nominations were 1917, Ad Astra, Alita Battle Angel, Avengers Endgame, and The Lion King. And personally, I would have picked all five of these like straight up. I think they're all phenomenal. The feelers voted, and they chose Avengers Endgame. Which is not surprising. Uh, This is where the love for blockbusters in our group is able to pull through. And I think it's fine. I think it's worthy there. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to give it, I saw a stat today, Patrick, of like the top 10 movies that have held the all time top grossing film title. Avengers Endgame is the only one to win zero Oscars, which is incredible. That's yeah. wow. That's <laughs> especially so, since Suicide Squad sits up there. <laughs> so, that's oh man salt in the wound yeah, just like to just put just put Ouch. It right there. <laughs> well the feelers got it right uh next was best cinematography nominees were 1917 joker the lighthouse once upon a time in hollywood and parasite and the feelers choice goes to roger deakins for 1917 also matching the oscar also making us happy yes very much so all right, now we get into the performance section of our of our awards, starting with the best actor in a supporting role. We have Brad Pitt 
for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joe Pesci, The Irishman, Song King Ho, Parasite, Sterling K. Brown, Waves, and Zach Godzigan in The Peanut Butter Falcon. I love, personally, I love the last two. Sterling K. Brown was phenomenal in Waves. Uh, no, just no news about him at all, but he was great. I love him pretty much anything. And Zach Godzigan, such a great pick for, for this nomination. And Song Kang Ho. I thought that these five were like perfect. Yes. Like, honestly, like if I had to pick the five for the Oscars, I would have picked it. That's incredible. Like these match my five perfectly. But one had to win, and that one was Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I'm not Again. unhappy about that either. Matching the Oscars. Matching the Oscars. Best Actress in a Supporting Role. The nominees were Cho Yao Zhong, Parasite, Florence Pugh, Little Women, Laura Dern, Marriage Story, Margot Robbie, Bombshell, and Zhao Zhuzin, The Farewell. And the viewer's choice goes to Laura. Oh, oh, wait, wait, no. no. Hold on. One, put, put the envelope back. What do we have One here? award in the entire history of this year's award cycle that was not won by Laura Dern, it feels like. No, Zhao Zhuzin uh, won a few. But our winner, the feeler's choice award goes to Florence Pugh for Little Women. I know that our group are big, 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 big fans of Florence Pugh, and I'm not surprised at all to see her take this win. See, I would love to have seen her on the stage of the Feeler's Choice award ceremony going, pew, 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 pew. You know, I don't like, think she would have done that, but that would have been a very Amy thing. To, that would have been fun. Probably. <laughs> in a fancy dress and everything. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on to Best Actor in a Leading Role. We have Adam Driver, Marriage Story. Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems. The Adams. And then we have Eddie Murphy for Dolomite Is My Name. Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. And Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the winner was Joaquin Phoenix in Joker. Again, doing what? Matching the Oscars. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) The next up is Best Actress in a Leading Role. And I loved this group of nominees. Anna de Armas for Knives Out. Aquafina for The Farewell. Lupita Nyong'o for Us. Sorsha Ronan for Little Women. And Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Not a Renee Zellweger in sight. And I am happy to say that the Feeler's Choice Award goes to Lupita Nyong'o for us. So the Feelers, and, and I will say this, by an overwhelming margin, I might add, this was a runaway category. Love and it. She dominated it. And I will just say this, of all five of those, I would consider all five of them heroes to me. <laughs> Sorry. Another day. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, or Judy. Oh, oh yeah, Judy. I gotcha. That was a great, Laura that was great. Speech, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on to best director, which is not a performance category. My apologies for saying that we're in the performance categories now. We have Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Greta Gerwig for Little Women. Yes. Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. And Sam Mendes for 1917. All solid nominations. And matching the Oscars, we have Director Bong for Parasite. Yeah, that's awesome. Go us. Go group. Go listeners. 
Well, the next but not our last category, as we have two unique special ones, uh, we have Best Picture. And our nominees were 1917, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Knives Out, Little Women, Marriage Story, Parasite, The Peanut Butter Falcon, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Weathering with You, which is an incredible group of movies, and I loved the diversity of this group of picks. I, I vote for all of them. I vote for everyone. Freaking awesome. Almost everyone. I don't. There's I don't. almost, there's one that I'm still <laughs> not going to vote for, just like the Oscars. But <laughs> the Feeler's Choice Award for Best Picture of 2020, or of 2019, the 2020 Feeler's Choice Award goes to Parasite. Just like the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was going to be a lot cooler when, like, we were the only one, you know, well, we weren't the only ones, but when we were, you know, giving it to Parasite and we were like, oh, stupid Oscars, Parasite won, yeah. But and now it's just like, oh, yeah, we did Parasite too. <laughs> <laughs> we should be hosting the Oscars, Aaron. We should be what this, this whole thing. <laughs> I agree. What this means is that the feelers were very happy when Parasite won. Yes, very indicative of of the happiness of our group. All right, so now we're moving into our special categories. These are two awards that we give out every year related to, of course, the essence of our show, which is all about the emotion. And the first category is the poignant performance of the year. The nominees are Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Robert Downey Jr. for Avengers Endgame, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Zach Gatzigan for The Peanut Butter Falcon, and Zao Shirzen for The Farewell. And the winner of the Poignant Performance of the Year went to Adam Driver for Marriage Story. Absolutely. And I gotta, and, I gotta say, I agree with this. And I, I loved him in this. Yeah. I, you know, as much as I want Zach to get this because of Zach, you know, the honest truth is I think that Adam's performance nails this. Um, Robert Downey Jr. has a scene that is competitive but over the course of an entire movie i think adam takes this one but my goodness this list of nominees is just all phenomenal and i love this award and i think it's great and some years it's been a case where the same people kind of win these but this year is not that and i think that that's awesome because it really highlights the difference in this award of a movie that is so impactful because of its emotions. And that is why Adam Driver's performance was so highly praised. And I liked seeing him come out here on top as well. Good job feelers. And last but not least in our awards is the emotion picture of the year. The nominees, 1917 Avengers Endgame, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, the farewell fighting with my family. Patrick's cheering. Little Women, Marriage Story, The Peanut Butter Falcon, Toy Story 4, and Weathering with You. And it's no surprise that like almost all these are in like my top 15 because <laughs> they're emotional movies. Our listeners get it. Our listeners understand these awards. This is a phenomenal, again, set of nominees. And the 2019 or 2020 Feeler's Choice Award. I see. I'm never gonna figure this out. But like the 2020, oh whatever. I'm just gonna stop saying it. The Feeler's Choice Award goes to Avengers Endgame, 
Uh, and I get that as well. I mean, we are recognizing, our listeners are recognizing, I think, the end of the MCU, the completion of an epic saga with an incredibly powerful emotional ending. And I cannot blame them one bit for that. So let me just say this, that um, I was doing our graphic that will show off all these in their epic glory. And I was looking at last year's winners and Avengers Infinity War won the Emotion Picture of the Year and Avengers Infinity War also won Best Visual Effects. So it do- it's dominated in these two categories. For the, you know, we have historical data now, so we can say it's I was dominated. getting ready to say, that's <laughs> exciting. I didn't even realize that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend like hours crunching this data now. I'm going to have to do this. I need yeah. to know what studios are winning our awards. Yeah. I need to know our diversity breakdowns. This stuff, is awesome. Man. This is good. This is, awesome. this is what I love, love, love about personalized awards like this is that we have all this great historical data now that we can look at and go, what are our feelers like? Are they kind of lean towards the independence or they love the blockbusters or they love the fact that John Krasinski was amazing in a quiet place. He got the emotion or he got the poignant performance of the year last year. Oh, and wow. it's just, um, yeah, it's great. Good deal. Well, that's all we got, man. We've gone through the Oscars. We've gone through the feelers choice. I think it's been good. Why don't you tell everybody what is coming up over the next week or two? Yeah, so we've decided to take the weekend off for a mental health break. I've been traveling for the last couple of weeks, so we're going to take a pause, but we have plenty of stuff still coming your way, starting with our next Black Label episode coming up this week as the crew discusses combating tropes in the movies, and it's going to be good, so you don't want to miss that. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to return to the microphone uh, along with Don Shanahan to to cover for Black History Month if Bill Street could talk. Well, that's all from us, Aaron. Thanks for another great conversation, and we will talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.